Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to please open your Bible to Exodus chapter 6. If you have a pew Bible, you can probably find that, I think, on page 48. We're continuing our series in the story of Exodus, and uh, I hope this has been a blessing to you as it has to me. Chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 13. Listen now to God's word. The Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of, the Canaan, of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God never said it would be easy following his lead. Whatever mission God has given to you, the mission that God has given to me, the mission that God has given to our church, whatever he's invited you into joining in his work, whatever opportunity God has afforded to you, God never said it was going to be easy. God never said it was going to be a piece of cake. Moses and Aaron were flying high as a kite. They were so glad to see things falling right into place at the start of their mission. These two brothers came together. They hooked up. They went out. And just as the Lord told them to, they went to the, the people of Israel and the elders of Israel, and they shared with them the big plan and the promises of God. And it says that the, the people believed what they said. 
And it says they bowed down and they worshiped. And Moses and Aaron are thinking, this is great. Everything's playing out according to plan. Then the next step should have been an easy one. They were going to go and tell Pharaoh what was going to happen, and everything would fall into place. And what happened? Pharaoh's heart grew harder. And even though they were faithful, and even though they didn't sugarcoat the message, and even though they didn't water it down and try to, try to weasel their way in, even though they did exactly as they were told, Pharaoh's heart grew harder, and the life of their people, the Israelites, grew harder still. And adding insult to injury, the Hebrew foremen, those that were, that were overseers of the slaves who worked for the king, adding insult to injury, they verbally attacked Moses and Aaron after they had heard from Pharaoh, their king. They called down curses from God upon God's own servants, Moses and Aaron. God never said it was going to be easy following his lead. And that hard reality here in chapter 6 has set in on Moses. At the end of chapter 5, instead of running back to Midian, instead of crying out into the darkness in, in, in anger, Moses turns to the Lord in prayer. And it is raw, and it is real, and it is honest, and it's perhaps even blasphemous. But he says, Lord, what happened? Why have you done this evil to your people? You promised you would deliver them. Why did you even send me? Everything has gotten worse. And here in chapter 6, Almighty God responds by giving Moses what he needs. In the midst of his crisis, Moses has certain wants. He wants the Lord to answer his questions. He wants the Lord to deliver on those promises. But God doesn't give Moses a three-point plan to success. God doesn't explain the plan. God doesn't justify why there's been a delay. No, instead, in the midst of Moses' uneasy, hard mission, not unlike the mission God calls us to do, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. God gives Moses what he needs. God gives Moses himself. He gives Moses his person and his promises. Look and see in the text, the Lord says again and again to Moses, I am the Lord. Doesn't Moses know by now that he is speaking to the Lord, the great I am, Yahweh? Yes, indeed, but he needs to be reminded. This is what Moses needs, to hear again, I am the Lord. It's as if the, the Lord is saying, hey, eyes on me, Moses. I am in control. And then he says uh, to Moses of the covenant promises that he has kept. To know God's name, Yahweh, the great I am, is to know God's purpose for all humanity from beginning to end. Moses was complaining that God wasn't 
keeping his promises. But the truth was, the Lord had everything under control, as he always does. If the mission wasn't uh, easy for Moses or for Aaron, that's because it simply was not an easy mission. In fact, it's starting to dawn on Moses that it is an impossible mission. Now, that wasn't the answer I imagine Moses was hoping for. Maybe he was hoping for a few talking points, a, a little plan, but God doesn't explain the whys or the wherefores of the people's situation or why Moses has seemingly failed, why he hasn't succeeded. He doesn't answer those questions, but he gives to Moses what he needs. I have so much compassion for people who come to me seeking help, seeking some needs that they have spiritually. They come seeking spiritual counsel, and, and what I can do is not a three-point plan or, or otherwise. What I can do is, is try to help us direct our attention to Jesus. And sometimes I can see it in their eyes. Yeah, okay, yes, fine. Jesus, right. But I need more. Tell me what the plan is. And what the Holy Spirit provides in hard times, like here with Moses, like in your hard situations that you face, is not a new plan, are not bullet points to success. The Bible does give us many precepts for godliness, but what the Lord provides most of all, especially in a crisis, especially in that long, dragged out, when will this crisis come to an end? He gives us himself, his person in Jesus Christ and his promises. Moses thought everything had gone from bad to worse, but the Lord was reminding him, Moses, I've got this. Eyes on me. So in our hard times, in the hard times that you face, we can learn from this passage that we need to be a little more patient by taking the long view and resisting the urge of getting upset with God's timetable. Rarely, if ever, have things unfolded according to my timetable. My clock is always running faster than the Lord's timetable. And this is a lesson that Moses is learning. It's a lesson all of us here need to learn. In fact, maybe, just maybe, these setbacks that Moses is experiencing will help him rely on God more for the long-term mission. See, the mission wouldn't be over once the children got, of Israel got out of Egypt, right? They had long ways to go. And maybe that's why we've been set back uh, here at Nielsville in some respects. Only now we've had the great opportunity to advertise new positions. But why the long delay? Maybe it's so that we would rely on the Lord even more. God wants us to focus on himself so that he would get the glory in the ways that things unfold, ways that are beyond our imagining or comprehending. 
Ways that will bring him the glory and bring us ultimate good. That's our promises that we hold on to. The truth is, if we all were uh, to, to give up every time we face difficulty fulfilling our mission, God's work would never get done. Is that true? The Lord mentions here appearing to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as if they didn't know who God was. But in Genesis, we have the name, the Lord, appears about a hundred times. So they obviously had the Lord's name. So what does he mean here? Well, it means that they didn't fully understand who God is because they had only received the promises. But Moses, the Lord says, Moses, you are about to witness the fulfillment of those promises. What's God doing here with old Moses? Moses is troubled. He's uneasy. He's been under attack. He's trying to be faithful and obedient. And what does God give him? God gives Moses the gospel. God gives Moses the good news. His person and seven promises. These I will statements are all future promises that God gives to Moses. If you have your own Bible, I'd encourage you to to circle or underline them. The Lord says, say to the people, I will bring them out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. Who's going to do the saving and the delivering? The Lord. God's saying he alone will liberate his people and buy back their freedom. Say to the people, I will take you to be my people. What's the Lord saying? He's saying, tell them, I'm going to adopt them. They will be my own people. I will be their God. I will bring them into a land. God's promising an inheritance sworn to their forefathers. God gives Moses what he needs, his person and all his promises. He gives to Moses the gospel. The mission the Lord has given to you is not easy. If you say, well, I'm not sure what that mission is, my life's pretty easy, then you may not know what the mission the Lord has given to you is because it's always a hard mission in life. It always is because it always drives us to trust him and lean on him and rely on him more and more each day. I can speak in my own life, the mission the Lord has given to me is not easy. The Bible never says that being a pastor or a shepherd is an easy call. But it is one that I take great joy and pleasure in. I'm called to do my mission. And the most important thing about my mission is what I enjoy most about my mission. Do you know what it is? Do you want to venture to guess what it is that that I'm primarily called to do as a pastor? And, bonus point, what I enjoy the most about being a pastor? I'll give you the answer. It's making disciples. It's sharing God's love with other people. It's it's spreading the gospel of good news. That's my primary call, and that's what I enjoy the most about being a pastor. But it is not an easy calling. I get to represent Jesus Christ as someone who hasn't met him yet. And you pay me to do that. 
I have the honor to be an example of disciple-making to you. I try to model that in the way that I lead my life, in the way that I, I lead our ministries, and even here from the pulpit, I'm trying to model that to you, and I, I need to start another men's Bible study here pretty soon to, to show you how, how that's done. I, I have the responsibility to be a shepherd of other disciple-makers, to equip you in multiplying your faith, to spur you on to good works, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I have the privilege of sitting down with a, a new believer in Christ and sharing God's love and truth. And sometimes, in fact, often is the case, and Cheryl and I have experienced this recently in sharing the good news with a, a new believer. It's not all perfectly, boy, this person's just taking right off. There are setbacks and disappointments and hardships but it's our joy to see people fall more and more in love with Jesus. I have the pleasure of, of seeing people meet Jesus for the first time and seeing believers, witnessing believers in Christ grow in your relationship with your Lord. It doesn't get better than that. It's the thing I enjoy the most. But the mission the Lord has given to me has not been easy. Look at verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. He spoke all this good news to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Many of you already know that we provide uh, English as a second language classes for free here every Saturday morning. We have a sign out front when class is in session, and at least once a week, someone stops by the office to find out more about the class. Difficult to communicate when I only speak English and only barely understand English myself and comprehend it, to speak with someone for whom English is a second language, but we we get through, they want to know when is the class exactly, where is it meeting, and there's always the same question. How much? How much does it cost? I could say it's free. It's free. The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. This is the message that we speak to people. But will they listen? A message of our liberator, our redeemer, our adopter, a, a giver of a priceless inheritance from beginning to end. Every aspect of the exodus was God's uh, work of grace. God accomplishes it by his person and his promises. That same liberator is Christ who made the greatest exodus of all liberating by his sacrifice on the cross, redeeming us by the costly price that he paid for our sins. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are welcomed, embraced by divine love, adopted. God calls us his beloved. And at the end of days, Jesus promises to bring us all the way home. This is our message. But will people have ears to hear it? Or because of their broken spirit 
and harsh slavery will they not be able to hear good news. Can scream it, can sing it, can say it, can put it on a sign. All God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20, God said to Moses, I will, and in Christ he says, I have done it all. But will they have ears to hear? What can we do? Well, we cannot fulfill this mission on our own. If you try, like Moses tried, not only will you fail, but you will grow bitter and frustrated and disappointed. Instead of trying to run home or cry out, we need to turn to the Lord in prayer. And all that's left for us, it's here in this passage, all that's left is for us to know Jesus as our Savior and Lord, to keep our eyes on Him. That salvation isn't about what we can do for God, but it is what He has done for you. This is our message and our mission in making disciples. You say, people have a lot of questions. They're uncertain about all this and this, this issue and that issue. So we can speak to those things. But what's most important is that you and I keep our eyes fixed on him. So join me in praying the Holy Spirit moves powerfully to rescue people who are broken in spirit and existing under harsh slavery. As God has loved you too much, and God loves those people too much for us to sit back and idle, that they might miss out for all eternity the beautiful life and the inheritance that awaits all who call upon the name of the Lord and are saved. Join me, Nielsville, in reaching out with good news of our liberator and our redeemer. Join your church family in growing as a disciple. We cannot live this life on our own, and it's not enough to be here for only one hour on a Sunday with all the things that we experience out there in the world. Ask the Holy Spirit to gently take your attention away from the troubling circumstances you face and to fix your eyes upon him, that he would captivate your heart and light your soul on fire for passion for God's glory. Psalm 105, verse 8, God remembers his covenant forever. God never goes back on his promises. He has promised to remember the covenant that he has made on that day. God promised to bring us all the way home. But God never said it would be easy. Jesus said to his first disciples, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. That sounds like a pretty awesome mission. But he also said, come, take up your cross every day and follow me. Friends, don't give up on loving people. Don't give up on our mission. Our mission is not delayed. Our mission is not over. He still has great things to do through us and for us to witness through this church. 
to witness God bringing people out of their bondage and all the way home. So let's prepare our hearts to receive this gift of the, from the table. This is a table that all who trust in Jesus and call him Lord are welcome to come to. Friends, there are people right now, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are not allowed to celebrate this meal. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted at this very hour. And so as we come and we receive this, this gift from heaven, and we ask God to fix our eyes upon him, to put things in proper perspective, receive this not only for yourselves. Receive it for that imprisoned Christian. Receive it for that imprisoned grandmother and child in Syria or in Libya. Receive it for a pastor in North Korea. Receive it on behalf of those who cannot speak up for themselves. And trust that the Lord has shown us who he is, he has given us his promises, and he says he will fulfill it. So would you join me, take your bulletins into this uh, great Thanksgiving printed in your bulletin. The Lord be with you. 